Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, certified life coach, and I am on a mission to liberate people to their authentic power and ideal self-expression. So what's a people pleaser? Well, those of us who are people pleasers are usually very loving and kind. We're empathetic. We also tend to prioritize other people's needs over our own, which leaves us feeling not seen and not heard. We're great at anticipating the needs of others and often put ourselves in second place. We're great doers and nurturers, and we often have the role of keeping the peace, whether it's in our families or in the workplace. Well, the first thing I wanna share with you is that there's nothing wrong with you. But we do want to take some of these qualities of people pleasing that we focus so much on other people and turn them on to ourselves first, which turns them into our superpower. To find out more, listen to this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Welcome everyone to this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. And I am very excited today to have Debbie Emick with me because she has a really particular experience and perspective on people pleasing and other uh, coping mechanisms that we all pick up as we go through this life that, you know, when we pick them up, they serve us. I mean, I've never found anything for myself or a client when we pick up that coping mechanism, it serves us. And then at some point it stops serving us and it hurts us or it holds us back in some way. And I was really interested in bringing Debbie to you because her story comes out of one of chronic illness, which is not an experience I've had. And so it's not you know, a way that I have ever come on a podcast and talked as for that as a trigger, right? Because all of our life experiences, if we choose them to be, are triggers into our next unfoldment in my, you know, that's, that's how I see life. Everything that's happening, um, I say for me, not to me, even when they're just really from an external standpoint, horrific situations, they're there so that I can emerge as sort of the next highest expression of myself is how I like to say it. Uh, but the health stuff is not an experience I've had. And so I'm really grateful that you reached out to me, Debbie. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited for the audience to hear your story and how something as difficult, you know, health to me is so it's so in your face, right? Like we can't escape our own body. So if, if our body is in pain, there's nowhere to go to get away from that. And so I really have a special place in my heart for people who have chronic illnesses or chronic pain. And that is their catalyst, right? To this expanding, ever expanding um, version of ourselves. So um, with that, I've let you introduce yourself and tell us some about your story and and where you're at and what, what you've learned. That's all, just that. <laughs> sure. Well, I love that introduction because I like to think of it exactly the same way. You know, this um, old stoic idea of like the obstacle is the way, the obstacle in the path becomes a path. And 
certainly my health was that first thing that led to where I'm at today and deeper healing um, and how I'm able to show up in the world. So I'll try to connect A to B as briefly as I can. But um, my story goes back about 10 years ago. um, I started having some health issues I couldn't ignore anymore. They were really interfering with my daily life. And so I started this long and winding road of autoimmune diagnosis and treatment. And at one point found myself taking nine different prescription medications Mm. three times a day and still, still feeling just awful. And Mm. so slowly I began doing what I knew to take back my power and work on myself personally. And so first that looked like working on my food and my movement, eliminating toxicities in my environment and the products I used. And eventually, after a conversation with my rheumatologist, I thought, okay, if I leave my job, I'll eliminate all my stress and that will be the magic bullet and I will magically get better, right? And so it wasn't until after I left my job, had done everything I really knew to do to heal at that point, um, that I found myself in this deep, dark hole. And Mm. um and, you know, not really knowing what to do. So all of my work from that point was just an effort to claw myself out of that darkness and never go back. Um, in the beginning, just out of this sense of responsibility to my daughters to break cycles and not start new ones. But what happened when I began to work on my mental, emotional health was that uh, my physical health, this pain that I had carried in my body for years at this point began to lessen and eventually leave. And I couldn't deny that relationship anymore between my body and my mental, emotional, you know, soul spirit and Mm -hmm. where that led for me, um, at the same time that I was doing some therapeutic work, uh, I was also reading Brene Brown, Uh, working on releasing shame and reading and learning from Glennon Doyle and Mm -hmm. this idea of perfectionism and people pleasing as an addiction or coping strategy, right? They're all the same uh, Mm -hmm. came to me. And I realized uh, in my darkness, when I was telling myself, how could you be 30 some years old and not know what you want out of life and not know what you need? You know, how could you not be able? And, and that's when sort of the real awakening began that like I had out of a sense of survival, like you said, very Mm -hmm. necessary, and I'm grateful for it now. Um, chosen to never deal with some trauma and some emotions from my younger years and covered that up by continually getting better at perfectionism and people pleasing. And through Mm -hmm. doing so, I just sort of lost myself completely so that I knew how to show up in the world in a way I thought other people wanted me to show up. But I didn't know who I was underneath that or what I wanted or needed beyond that. Yeah. So discovering all of that, unwrapping all of that, getting vulnerable and real and learning to trust my own intuition and guidance so that I could learn who I was and what I wanted and what I needed was all a part of my healing and growth. Mm. Oh, I love that. So, so many things that makes me want to ask you. So (laughs) let's, 
So let me start. I'll probably forget some of them. But anyway, let's go back to towards the beginning there. One of the things I love that you said was how after your, your thinking was if you quit your job, you know, then. OK, yeah. so one of my biggest awakenings in my life was in the last two years and it was so around that. So totally different set of circumstances. Oh, sorry, I hit my mic there. <laughs> if that, if anybody just lost their hearing, cause I <laughs> put a big boom in you, but anyway, um, I realized that I had to stop connecting some circumstance in my life to, you know, then I'm going to feel good or then I'm going to be happy or then I'm going to, you know, whatever. And we're so, especially in the Western world, over conditioned to believe that if something in our circumstances was different, Mm -hmm. we would be okay. Yeah. Right. Yep. I love this idea and topic. I like to talk about it uh, even in respect to finances, but uh-huh. this idea of destination addiction, right? So it could be like when I get the car or the house mm-hmm. or I leave my job or in, in relationship to my health. Yes. It was like when I eat perfectly mm-hmm. or when I exercise perfectly, perfectly, that will be the thing that heals me and I'll be better. Right. And what really the truth was Number one, I needed to deal with the things I had never dealt with that I had put off for years so -hmm. that I could become authentic and vulnerable and not protect myself with these, you know, trappings of perfectionism and people pleasing. Um, When I was able to do that, I was able to find like a self-love and a worthiness so that I can... I can use food in a loving way for my body and not like a controlling way or perfecting way or like, oh, then I'll be happy or then I'll have health, right? Um, yeah. Same with exercise or or whatever, um, whatever it is. Yeah. So one of the ways I think about this is it's like we get transactional. Mm-hmm. with our bodies. And I've even done this. Uh, I, I, I like to think I can take anything to the extreme. So I've even done this with my spiritual growth where, yeah. I mean, not on purpose, right? Not consciously, but it's like, okay, so now if I do this, if I don't eat this, if I do eat that, if I get this movement, if I don't, you know, whatever, if I meditate mm-hmm. every day, if I, you know, whatever, I'm going to do this And so now you, whatever that you is, my body, God, whatever. Mm -hmm. So now it's your turn to do your part, right? So it's very transactional. Oh, yeah. And trans or another way to think of that is it's doing something with an agenda. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to show up and meditate every day. And I have an agenda unconsciously Mm -hmm. that you know, certain things are going to go my way or that I'm going to feel a really great connection to the divine or, you know, whatever it is I want out of that. So uh, an insight, an answer to the question, whatever, but I'm coming in with an agenda. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we show up, like self-love just doesn't have an agenda. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so I think, think, you know, super oversimplified, easier said than done, but self-love would solve every problem. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that you said like unconscious several times and transactional is so true for me for so long, there was no awareness or consciousness around my thought patterns that led to my behavior patterns. And so there's no changing anything without awareness. Right. Um, Yeah. And so my transaction was always control. Like when I, when I get to the heart of it, I'm either mm-hmm. controlling my self-perception or others' perception of me. That's why I'm people-pleasing, yes. right? I want yes. people to feel and love for me and care for me in a certain way. So they yeah. need to believe a certain thing about me, whether that's spiritual or not. You know, like even yeah, if- Yeah, doesn't I, matter. Yeah. Right. I want you to see me as a really good mother. I want mm-hmm. you to see me as a good Christian. I want you to see me as a good wife. I, you know- all the and control. I love that you use that word because that, oh my gosh, I was such a control freak because you, because in truth, we cannot control anybody's perception of us. Yeah. So every time we're trying, it takes so much work, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you, things just get closed in, right? Because you gotta, you're trying to control something that's really uncontrollable. But like you, in my beginning years, I had no awareness. And so this was my other question I'm super curious about before we get too far off of this part of it. Mm-hmm. In those early days, when you were unconscious of those coping mechanisms, would you say that you even knew who you were or would you have, so I, let me, this is complicated the way I'm trying to say this. So I guess what I'm looking for is, did you feel like lost? Like actually you understand the question, you grasp the question of who are you Mm. and you realize, I don't, you know, the answer is I don't even know because Mm. I've been doing so much for so many other people because I thought that's what they wanted. I don't know what I want. Or because I, this is what I noticed in myself after a while, and I get it with clients. I thought I knew who I was. I would say like, oh, I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, this or that or whatever. But all I was really doing in hindsight, I realized was regurgitating who I thought I was supposed to be instead of, but, but like you're saying without awareness, I didn't even understand that I was saying when I was describing who I was, I was describing this conditioned person Mm -hmm. I had become based on what I thought other people and the church, because I have a lot of religious baggage as well, Mm -hmm. wanted me to be not like now who I would say my authentic self is. I mean, of course, there are some threads that are the same, but by and large, I was being that conditioned person and it wasn't really my authentic nature. Does that make sense? Did I just pose that in a way that makes sense? I think so. Like in answer, I would say high level, right? Um, Yes. If you would have said, who are you? There were all these roles I had attached to and characteristics And that is as deep as my awareness probably went at that point. So like, I am a hard worker. I don't complain, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, not out loud. I am sick. I am in pain. I, these things Mm -hmm. I had attached to or identified with, and it wasn't until that awareness, like you're saying, 
Uh, and at first for me, that came as some very deep seated judgment. So like, how could you be 33, 34 and not even know what you want? How could you be a mom and not mm-hmm. even know who you are? Right. And so those were the yeah. first glimpses of awareness to where then it was like, oh, I'm going to cuss because you said I could. Oh, shit. I don't yeah. even know. I don't even have a clue who I am. I just know yes. what people want me to be. And I got really good at being what people want me to be. And so, yes. but yeah, it did take some awareness there uh, for sure yeah. to be able to identify that. And then that's great, right? Because then I could, I could begin to do that without judgment. And then I mm-hmm. could begin to at least question what I had attached to. And this is years of work, right? And still yeah. no arriving. I'm still doing it. But then yes. I can untangle from those attachments and write a new story, a better story, a more true story that's more authentically aligned with myself or at least my desires and hopes for myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about that self-judgment piece because I think that's mm-hmm. so big. And I love that you brought that up because we are so hard on ourselves. I mean, I think everyone is, but I think some of the ways that we get lost in the coping skills around people pleasing maybe cultivates an extra dose of that because it's part of the control, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the perfectionism. So I love that you brought that up. I love Brene Brown's work on that. And how it's really shame that's driving that. And so it's Mm -hmm. that shame that drives all that Mm self-judgment. And so tell us a little bit about how you started to, I don't know what words you would use, transform that, let go Mm -hmm. of that, you know, whatever you tell us, what your relationship and your journey was with some of that shame and self-judgment. I just want to say what I love about this conversation in respect to people pleasing is from an unaware, unconscious, outside perspective, we don't usually identify people pleasing and control together. Or what it really comes down to is like, that's how our ego shows up, right? When Mm -hmm. we're a people pleaser, our ego, I think probably, and your community can, you know, nod yes or no, as they're listening. (laughs) Uh, I think our ego shows up as that mean voice in our head. And so, um, you know, different coping mechanism, none better than any other, you know, different way that we cope, the ego might show up in a different way to be Mm self-protective and ours takes us to this negative judgmental place. And, um, so yeah, luckily, I mean, now down the road, I feel grateful that I was doing some work, um, with someone who I live in a really small town, a rural area. And so she calls herself a chiropractor, but she does some other healing type work. And she did some somatic work with me and some energy work with me. Mm -hmm. And that kind of opened up and unlocked this connection between this, like, childhood trauma, repressed emotions, and where I found myself now as an adult. And then in a synchronistic sort of way, I was reading Brene Brown, Glennon Doyle, and some other things that were very specific to chronic illness and autoimmune disease. And I was able to number one, actually deal with the emotions I never dealt with and 
in an attempt to release them and just begin being the noticer of what went on in my mind. So instead of Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, you're, you're using that mean voice again. What a terrible person, you know, like judging the judger, just being the noticer. (laughs) And, uh, because I tend to be more of like an introvert, I go inside. I don't tell anyone that's how I coped for years and years. I knew I needed to go outside and seek connection and communicate to be able to heal. And so in my case, um, the first person I did that with luckily was my husband, but you know, just anyone close to you is what I would say. I, I could go to him with tears very uncomfortably Mm -hmm. because I wasn't used to it and say like, I heard myself saying this to myself. Can you believe this? And he would really just be a sounding board. And the more I was able to just be the noticer without um, judging it, the, the easier it got to sort of let go of that and not attach to that and then rewrite it, as I said before. But I think, you know, the only thing we can really do is be aware and be aware from like, an up here perspective, like a Mm -hmm. higher self and just notice this is what you do and don't attach to it. Don't try to, um, like make it go away faster or suppress it or pretend it's not happening. That will just keep that cycle going and going. Another thing is realizing how long you've had that kind of self-talk. So once you're aware you realize like, I've been doing this for years and years. It's going to take a while to change this. And so for me, I started writing affirmations that were like a year from now, is this what I still want to be telling myself? No. What would I like to hear myself say a year from now? And those Mm -hmm. would be the affirmations that I would write. And I would say them out loud and write them every day. I mean, I still do. This is still a practice. The affirmations I say now are not the same as when I began, Sure, but yeah, it's like, um, you know, a year down the road, do I want to be telling myself what a terrible mother I am? No. So I would write an affirmation that was like, um, you know, I am a mother that shows her daughters, the type of woman they want to grow into, or, you know, something like that. So, yes. Yes. Oh, I think that, so I, I call that sort of like rehearsal, right? So I think that mm. that's because the self-awareness piece, I mean, nothing happens until you start having some self-awareness. So, so that's absolutely fundamental. And yet it's not the end, right? You're not there, mm-hmm. wherever there is, but I mean, nothing's changed just because of awareness. And I find these things, they're, they're such, I like to think of them as habits because that keeps me out of judgment. Mm. Okay. Um, of which I'm sure like most of us, it's easy for me not to be judgmental of whatever your coping devices, mm-hmm. but much harder for me not to be judgmental about mine. So if I just think of it as a habit, then it's kind of, it loses some of that attachment because in that attachment, we're making it mean something about us. This means I'm a bad person. This means I'm a failure. This means I'm a bad mother. This means, uh, you know, fill in the blank. I'm not taking care of my body well enough. I can only imagine, Mm -hmm. you know, that as much as you're trying to control all this food and everything into your body and your movement, if you had the pain or the flare up in whatever form, then that you could make that mean you're still not doing it good enough. You're still Mm -hmm. not, you know, and so more. So 
all those things are so harsh towards us. So that's the habit. Mm -hmm. And just like whatever, if I wanted to quit anything else, I'll take smoking. I never did that. But anyway, (laughs) um, I got to find something else to do with my hands. Yeah. Right. Like Mm -hmm. they say, that's a whole part of the addiction is the, the movement. Right. And the breathing, even though Mm -hmm. you're breathing in smoke, whatever, you know, it's still a breathing thing. Mm -hmm. So I need a replacement. And so that's where I think the replacement. So what is it that I do want to say to myself? What is it that I do want to feel in my body? Mm-hmm. I know I, I'm in the habit of feeling pain. What do I want? Mm-hmm. And then being able to rehearse emotional, uh, uh, emotionally, I'll say, but w- with feelings, however you think about the word emotions and feelings, sometimes I make a distinction between those two, but this creating this feeling state of in your case, I, you know, like well-being of health, mm-hmm. even before the actual experience of it has shown up, mm-hmm. you know, so me, my challenge was in, uh, two years ago, I mean, I've had plenty of them, but anyway, <laughs> was a huge financial challenge. So I would spend so much energy going from the stories I made that mean I'm bad with money. I'm bad, you know, at my business, I'm bad, you know, whatever, all those things I could mount up against myself to, I am surrounded by abundance. I am abundance. Abundance is my nature and feeling that way, right. It can't be bullshit. Mm -hmm. That's why that's when affirmations don't work is when, you know, (laughs) you're really just, reciting some words that sounded good, but you Mm -hmm. can't bring them into that feeling state. Mm -hmm. And I would feel that way, like regardless, then it doesn't matter if I have 5 million or $5 in the bank. I'm cult. It's not about a circumstance. It's not contingent upon a circumstance. I am cultivating abundance Mm -hmm. within me not just for, I do the same thing. I write them. I say them out loud because hearing your own voice is very powerful. Writing physically is very powerful in your brain. Mm-hmm. And that helps cultivate that feeling state that is all disconnected from actual circumstances. That's where the power is, right? Like that's yeah. when you really feel the power that you have. So tell me about power. I love that, you know, we'll say anything you want uh, after what I just said. And, but I'd love to um, shift into your perspective of power. Okay. Yeah. I just want to say that I love that idea of talking about affirmations from that perspective of habit, because I think for a more pragmatic Mm -hmm. person that hears the word affirmations and thinks, oh, that's woo woo. That's not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, if we're just thinking that like I told myself thousands and thousands of times what a terrible person I was, how many Mm -hmm. times am I going to have to tell myself what a great person I am before I'm going to believe it in whatever way you want to break that down. And so like you were saying, uh, to be able to really believe it for me, I have to look at myself from my higher self, right? Even Mm -hmm. like as a mother, like I'm parenting myself, I'm looking down on myself. Mm -hmm. 
And mm. what is it I really believe about myself from my highest self? Then I write my affirmations from that place. And Ooh, you're right. Yes. As a teacher, um, like 14 years in education, that's the job I walked away from. Writing and saying aloud, though it feels weird, especially at first, it's really important to, to believing it and to yes. getting it locked in there. And, and just another tiny little tidbit, like replacing something, I like to have a ritual around it. So a mm. ritual around the affirmations is great. It will make you motivated to do it and believe it. So like lighting a candle, sitting in a nice chair, having a nice notebook for me. Um, I drank diet Pepsi all the time. It was like my water and I had to replace that with a ritual, right? So I drink loose leaf tea that's warm in my favorite mug now. And I don't ever want a diet Pepsi ever again, but I replaced it with that ritual. So that's yes. what I have to say about Oh, that. I love that. I love the ritual part. And you're absolutely right about the higher self. Like we have to, that has to come from that place that's beyond the habit. Yeah. Really, yeah. really beautiful. Um, so power for me was like feeling a victim. So I'd given my power away to whomever I let. <clears throat> Again, this is all in my mind and from a place of unconsciousness, but whoever I let tell me who I should be and how I should show up, whoever yes. I let tell me I'm sick and there was nothing I could do about it. Whoever I let tell me, you know, like I can do this, but I can't do this. And so taking back my power um, was really mm -hmm. just about learning to listen to and trust my own intuition and just take one tiny step at a time toward whatever that was guiding me towards. So um, mm -hmm. from like a less like meta level, just what was I curious about? And it was okay mm -hmm. to be curious about that and take a tiny step toward it. And if I'm wrong or it fails, not beating myself up about it. Um, and, and just moving in that way, one step at a time, eventually led to, you know, how I'm able to show up in the world today. Um, certainly still, there's a people pleaser inside me that's like, I'm still working on getting past, uh, sure. that gets triggered when things get hard. Sure. Right. But, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, for me that that's what it's about not stepping out of victim mm -hmm. mode and coming into my place of power where I can let my intuition be the guide. I can trust it in stepping toward it. And, and that just lets it build and grow until I'm able to be my own self from a place of power. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. Oh, so many things. So tell us about your book. Tell us about your book and where that kind of came from and what kinds of things you cover in there. Cause we'll put in, I'll put in the show notes, everybody, uh, a link for you to, to get the book. So tell us about the book. Uh, thank you for asking about that. Um, the book really began as a journaling practice, um, having read a lot about this link between chronic illness, diseases, autoimmune diseases, and repressed emotions, repressed trauma. This is a very, um, I would say common link with certain illnesses uh, and autoimmune diseases, chronic illnesses being one. Um, and so at first I was just journaling to release these experiences and emotions that I had held for so long. And mm -hmm. um, that developed into this full story 
um, you know, the more vocal I've been about what I've gone through and what I'm doing now to heal, the more people come to me, I'm guessing you have this and they're like, I'm in the same boat, you know, they're Mm -hmm. sick or they're tired or they're burned out or they're in pain Mm -hmm. and they just want some help and how do they get it? And so this is a love letter to all of those mostly women, but not all women who came to me seeking help and validation and, you know, Mm. they're victims and definitely not in their power. And so this is my story, uh, what, how it all relates. And in the end, there's some journal prompts to help the reader in their own healing and from whatever it is, um, diagnosis or or not. Um, and so it's called the other side of perfect discovering the mind body connection to healing chronic illness. And it kind of ties all of this together, what we've been talking about today. So mm-hmm. I love that the other side of perfect. And, you know, it's so I I think the other thing that my deep dive over the last couple of years took me to was to really have a deeper understanding of all the ways I had given my power away. I mean, Mm. I knew there was a lot of it. I knew, I mean, I got into therapy in my late twenties, you know, because I just, I, I was miserable and I'm a very optimistic and happy person. And so I knew I was so unhappy. Maybe I was depressed, but whatever. I was just for me Mm -hmm. chronically unhappy enough. I knew something was really wrong. And so I got into therapy And then that, you know, that was kind of the the beginning of the journey that, you know, has been whatever, 25 years or so in the making now. But so I had worked on ways I had, you know, the whole people pleasing concept and codependency and, you know, the ways I had given my power to other people, like I had worked on that. And yet, when I went through this last round of initiation, that's how I like to think of it. It's initiation, right? To the next (laughs) best expression of ourselves or the next highest expression of ourselves. I just realized Mm -hmm. how subtle and clever, you know, um, that part of me, if we want to call it the ego part, had gotten in continuing to use those coping skills, continuing Mm -hmm. to give my power to other people. And I love the phrase, I use this often, that there's no power outside of you greater than the power inside of you. Mm -hmm. And if we really could grab hold of that, right, and really live from that place, it would change everything because we do give our power to our spouses, to our children, Mm -hmm. to, you know, religions to culture to you know um friends to everything you know Mm -hmm. all kinds of things business jobs money you know all of it instead of moving it into i'm the source connected to source yeah i like my metaphor for that is the ocean and a wave okay Mm -hmm. a wave is every bit the ocean as the ocean is right. There's not a, okay. It's, it's moving in a, in its own little way. And every wave is unique and all those great things Mm -hmm. like we are, but the wave is never not the ocean. And so if I can stay in that understanding, that awareness, 
because it's not something I have to go connect to. It's not outside of me. I have Mm -hmm. to go get it or be good enough for it or do the wave is always the ocean. It can't stop being the ocean. It could stop an awareness that it's an ocean, Mm -hmm. but, but that's all, that's all an illusion, right? So when I can see it that way and say, okay, I'm having an illusion right now that I'm separate and it's really my money or how many clients I have or whether or not, you know, something else is happening in my external life that gets to decide mm-hmm. how okay I am. That That's where we get off and it happens all the time and we're encouraged, you know, so that's not a condemnation by any stretch because we're encouraged culturally Mm-hmm. to blame, to, you know, put it in the hands of outside circumstances, but there's no power in that. Yeah. In the book, I use uh, the metaphor of like the wild self. And mm. so I began as this wild self literally and, you know, metaphorically. Uh, and and so for me, it was a, a returning to my wild self by unwrapping all these layers of like perfecting and people pleasing, right? Um, yes. So it's not about becoming someone different. It's about returning to ourself, which I yes. think that essence is what you're saying. And I just want to echo a tiny bit of what you're you're saying about power in that what I've learned as I took my power back is exactly what you said. Like, uh, number one, this, these mechanisms are socially acceptable, right? Mm-hmm. Perfecting and people pleasing, uh, make people happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so luckily for me, those were the ones I chose rather than like alcoholism, which I didn't cause I didn't feel in control enough. Right. But that sort of reinforces this and those relationships. But what I learned is the healthy relationships the healthy people I want in my life don't want me to give my power away from yes. away to them. And yeah. so what happened as I began to get real, mm-hmm. I, um, some relationships stepped out and that was yes. hard. I don't want to like, you know, make that seem like that just what that was difficult, but that left room for supportive relationships that helped paint a vision of who I wanted to become and support me in that respect to come in. And luckily for me, like my husband and I have known each other since we were just babies, like teenagers. Um, And so there was plenty of codependency in that relationship too, but being open and honest and vulnerable with him, he has come along with me. But if Mm. I couldn't step into my power with him, Mm -hmm. uh, that relationship probably would have had to step away too. But luckily that's come along with me. So I just want to say that in a sense that like, if there's a relationship in someone's life, that's reinforcing your people pleasing, that's Mm -hmm. not a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. for you or the other person. And a healthy Mm -hmm. person does not want that from you. They don't want you giving your power away to them. Oh, that's so beautiful. And you are so right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a lot of times when one of the catalysts for people to come work with me will be that very thing, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's their marriage or some other important relationship to them. And that is always a part we have because there's a certain amount of people in our lives who have liked that -hmm. our emphasis was whatever can I do for you now? (laughs) You know? And when we don't do that and we start practicing self-love and taking more time. So the other way I always talk about people pleasing is 
really it's taking those gifts that we have of um, great intuition and empathy and problem solving and nurturing and all these things that have been so outer focused and turning them back on ourselves. So to me, the distortion mm -hmm. is the people pleasing because it's all about other people. Who do you want me to be? Who and instead of turning that to ourselves, but when we turn it to ourselves, there will be people in our lives who will say, oh my gosh, you're being so selfish. Mm -hmm. Or they just, uh, as my husband said to me, different than yours, mm -hmm. he just said, I don't like who you are anymore. Mm -hmm. It was very clear. So mm -hmm. I appreciated the clarity, but it hurt. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. High school sweethearts. I'd been in love with him since I was 15 years old. Um, so, although obviously by then a lot of estrangement was happening, it wasn't, you know, yeah. but, but nonetheless, it's, they're not words you want to hear from your husband because he didn't. I mean, mm -hmm. in fairness, I was showing up as somebody who mm -hmm. only cared about doing whatever he wanted me to do and being how he wanted me to be. And so as I stopped doing that and I started turning my energy more towards myself, then, you know, that really rocked his boat. So, oh yeah, you know, we do, there is sometimes some fallout of relationships, but by the same token, it opens up so much space for people who want you mm -hmm. to be your authentic self and love you for that and love you for being in the journey of that, right? It's not like mm -hmm. one day you get it, you know, <laughs> um, right? that are such sweet relationships and, and the only relationships I have in my life anymore, you know? Yeah. And also, I mean, do you find now that you feel like, oh, a gratitude maybe this far out from your husband for like saying it so clearly oh, like oh we absolutely. can't go on the rest of this trip together we made it yes. this far and so yeah i feel like um with self-love i couldn't do that at first right i had to show up for my daughters but the yeah. farther that went the more i could see that that's kind of like do as i say not as i do and exactly. so I had to begin to grow that within myself. And what I found is a truer love. If yeah. I'm so full of love, it spills over onto the people around me. That's much yes. better than being a martyr or showing yeah. up because I think someone has to have. And so sometimes the way I show love to my husband is setting a boundary and yes. it sucks for him at first, right? He That's yeah. not fun, but but from a healthier perspective, he can see like, oh, this is my own growth too. I need this boundary, yes. just like I need him to set boundaries with me, you know, so, yes. and with yes. my children and whomever it is, um, yes. setting boundaries is a form of love and we can Absolutely. do it when we love ourselves enough to be able to do it. So anyway, yeah. this is also yeah. good. I feel like yes. we could talk forever and ever. Forever, but, forever. Yeah. But I think the self-love thing is a great place to sort of wrap up on because you're right. You know, when we really, really love something, we take care of it and we protect it. Mm -hmm. And for those of us who grew up with the habit of people pleasing and turning all that onto others, we'd protect others, we'd, you know, do for others. When we turn it on ourselves, then the natural thing to come out of that are the boundaries that support that to protect mm -hmm. ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, where, wherever they are, you know, with people, with ourselves, boundaries with ourselves to say, mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, I'm not yeah. going to participate. As soon as I catch myself judging myself, I'm going to stop. 
you know, that's a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to wrap us up here, what would be, let's, let's talk specifically about people who might be listening to this that might have a chronic illness or, you know, physical, it's their body that is their challenge. Mm-hmm. What would be, what would you like to leave them with? Um, well, you know, the main story is this aha, that there were reasons in my emotional, spiritual self that were creating these physical things in my body. And so there are lots of resources that I read that helped me make those connections. So I'd like mm-hmm. to just say a few of those. Yeah. Uh, one is this book called Expressive Writing, which helped me begin the journaling process, which has proven to be at least as helpful as seeing a therapist. So I'm not saying not to, and I'm not a therapist. You should seek therapy um, if if you need to. And then there's um, a book called When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate and a book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. They're both doctors and they both give a lot of good medical evidence and research for these connections. to our nervous system, these chronic illnesses, um, and what it does to our body long-term. And beyond that, I I would say do that reading, but for anything, it's like step one is awareness being the noticer Mm -hmm. without judging so that you can do step two, which is detaching, right? So for Mm -hmm. me, uh, detaching sounded like I am not my pain. I am not my diagnosis. I am mm-hmm. not my body. I am not mm-hmm. my mom or my dad or mm-hmm. what's happened to me or any of these roles. And so I would give the same, you know, advice to that, just awareness of what's going on in your mind, be the noticer of it so that you can detach from those stories you're telling yourself yes. and begin to step toward the ones you would like to hear and what you would like to tell yourself. Mm, that's beautiful. So folks, we'll put those books also, those resources, I'll put those in the show notes, as well as the link to Debbie's book and um, how you can get in touch with her if you want to communicate with her further. Thank you so much. Thank you for bringing the richness that you brought to mm-hmm. this conversation and your own authentic you know, experience with these things, because we all know while, while our stories might be a little bit different, we find those ways where there are these common threads that the dynamic or the feeling state behind a story is the same, Mm -hmm. you know, whether, you know, I haven't experienced the physical illnesses, but I've experienced other things that allow me to relate to that. Mm -hmm. And so we, we all, you know, we're never alone. There's always somebody else who has, you know, experienced that same pain. And I, one of the things I love about doing a podcast is it's just that invitation to know that you're not alone, you know, no matter what's going on for you. And there are people here that, you know, share, share that experience and want to help you grow and open up into your next highest expression of yourself. So thank you for helping our audience to do that through your sharing of your story and your experience, Debbie. 
Oh, thank you right mm -hmm. back. I feel so fortunate to be able to have this connection. What an amazing world that we can connect this way. Mm -hmm. Someone can listen and I can connect with them. And so anyone who wants to in your community, please reach out. I'd love to talk with anyone yeah. that feels led that way. So thank you yeah. again. This was amazing. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I've got some extra bonuses for you today. So check out the show notes. You will see a link to download my free training. This is the newest training I have. It's called People Pleasers Power Training. It's a video series and worksheet that will take you through a very specific process where you will take your power back from a relationship or a situation that has you feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, frustrated, angry, all of the above. So grab that. I also have people ask me about how they actually work with me. And so the easiest way to do that is to book a 15 minute call. So you'll see that link in the show notes and we'll have a conversation about whether now is the right time, whether I'm the right coach and how you would like to engage in that with me. There's also the link to my private Facebook group, Liberate Your People Pleaser. It's a great place to get additional resources and be in a like-minded community. You can also submit a question through the show notes. There's a link for you to tell me what it is that you're wondering, a topic you'd like for me to address on a future episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. So thank you for being here as always. If you can take the time to do it, I love it. If you put a five-star review on the podcast server that you get this podcast from, that always helps us get out to more listeners. So thank you so much. And thank you for being with me on the journey to liberate our people pleasers. Mm -hmm.